If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. This morning, our music and theology series, Jesus and Johnny Cash, continues as we lift up the themes of grace, forgiveness, and justice that we find in Scripture and are echoed in the music of sinner and saint, Johnny Cash. Let us bow our heads together. Lots of people know it, Holy One, even if they don't go to church, even if they can't remember the entire verse. The first part of John 3.16 is recognizable. For God so loved the world. People have always tried to modify it. There have been attempts to argue that for God so loved only the Calvinists. Or for God so loved only the Baptists or the Catholics, or the wealthy, or those in good health. But there's not an asterisk, a footnote, or a parenthetical that says otherwise. Perhaps just as bad as limiting your love has been our tendency to declare who you do not love. Over the course of human history, we have made lists of the people we have decided you do not love, putting names and labels on signs and in sermons. We have tried to legislate it, and we have lived it. But the real story is right there on the page. For God so loved the world, which includes those of us who are gay, straight, single, trans, partnered, seekers, doubters, believers, the born again, and those born just fine the first time. The whole wide world. We confess, Holy One, that we've tried to limit your love because of what else the Bible says. We love because God first loved us. Because if we argue that you only love some of us, mostly the people who look like us and believe like us, then we too only have to love the people who look like us and believe like us. But scripture says, those who say, I love God, 
and hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. So we will not make any more lists about who you supposedly love and don't love, Holy One, even the lists we think we can keep hidden in our hearts. After all, it comes out in our living. Our faith is revealed in what we do, mostly in what we do to each other. We pray in the name of Jesus, who proved that love has the last word. Amen. This morning, our scripture lesson comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, as well as Man in Black, written by Johnny Cash. From the gospel of Luke. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And from Man in Black. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black, why you never see bright colors on my back, and why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone? Well, there's a reason for the things that I have on. I wear the black for the poor and the beaten down, living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime, but is there because he's a victim of the time. I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said about the road to happiness through love and charity. Why you'd think he's talking straight to you and me. Well, we're doing mighty fine, I do suppose, in our streak of lightning cars and fancy clothes. But just so we're reminded of the ones who are held back, up front there ought to be a man in black. I wear it for the sick and lonely old, for the reckless ones whose bad trip left them cold. I wear the black in mourning for the lives that could have been. Each week we lose a hundred fine young men. And I wear it for the thousands who have died believing that the Lord was on their side. I wear it for another 100,000 who have died, believing that we all were on their side. Well, there's things that never will be right, I know, and things need changing everywhere you go. But till we start to make a move to make a few things right, you'll never see me wear a suit of white. Here ends the readings from our traditions. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. An American songwriter, guitarist, actor, and author, widely considered one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century and one of the best-selling music artists of all time, having sold more than 90 million records worldwide. A 14-time Grammy Award winner who has been inducted into the songwriters, country music, and rock and roll halls of fame. A drug-using, hotel-trashing, girl-chasing outlaw and rebel. These are some of the most 
common descriptions of Johnny Cash, but perhaps the most well-known is the one that came from the title of his signature song, Man in Black. First performed publicly in 1970 before a college audience at Vanderbilt University, Man in Black describes how Cash dons black clothing as a symbol of grief and protest for the oppressed and victimized. You heard the litany. There was, of course, one small problem. You see, Johnny Cash had been wearing all black long before the song came out. He had been wearing black most of his career, actually. The first time Johnny Cash, Luther Perkins, and Marshall Grant performed for an audience was at a church in North Memphis. One of their neighbors had asked the trio if they would like to do a few gospel songs for their Sunday evening service. The group agreed, but got stuck on what to wear. No one owned a suit, and the only colored shirts they had in common were black. So that's what they wore. And for that first gig, Cash quipped, eh, black is better for church. He repeated that joke over the years, but fans didn't necessarily associate Cash's black dress with church. The man in black is instead an outlaw image, part of the outlaw movement Cash pioneered in country music, along with artists like Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings. It is also true, as Johnny's drummer Fluke Holland explained, back then, when we'd leave on tour, the longer you could wear the clothes you had on, the better. So if you had on black, it wouldn't show dirt as quickly as anything else. So when Johnny performed Man in Black for the first time with its fresh take on the reason behind the wardrobe choice, it upset some folks. Critics were quick to accuse him of being a fraud because the black clothing dated back well before the song and had nothing to do, really, with any kind of social justice. But this did not bother Johnny Cash. Of course, he would say in return, I'm a songwriter, I use my imagination. The important thing is the message of the song, not the imagery. When he introduced Man in Black on the Johnny Cash show, he explained to the students at Vanderbilt that the inspiration for it had come out of conversations he had had with them a few days earlier. I talked with several of you, he said, and we asked each other a lot of questions. I asked you questions and you asked me questions. The idea for a song started brewing then. And since I saw you last Saturday, I wrote this song. This song is a very personal song, but it's the way I feel about a lot of things. And indeed, it was very personal to Johnny Cash. He knew plenty about poverty and hunger and drug use, hardly getting by and never getting ahead. Johnny Cash was the first, or the second, sorry, he was the fourth. Fourth. Easy for me to say. Johnny Cash was the fourth of seven children, born February 26, 1932, 
in Kingsland, Arkansas, to Ray and Carrie Cash. In his memoir, Cash recalled that the house in which he was born didn't have any windows. In winter, my mother hung blankets or whatever she could find to try to fight the cold. The depression hit the Cash family hard. And when Johnny was three years old, they moved to the Dias Colony in northeast Arkansas, taking part in a federal farming program in which families farmed 20 acres of cotton and other crops. When he was five, Johnny started working in the fields alongside his parents and siblings. He started at first as a water boy carrying drinking water out to his family by the time he was eight, he was picking cotton with them, dragging a heavy canvas sack that started empty, but by the end of the day held 200 or more pounds of cotton. You just parked the wagon at the far end of the rows and went to it, Cash wrote. He said the work was exhausting and painful. He had back pain even as a child, and the cotton balls he picked were sharp, which cut his hands. We just worked and worked and worked, he remembered. Man in Black is both protest and lament as Cash goes through a litany of suffering. In the lyrics, Cash stands in solidarity with the poor, the hungry, the hopeless, the addicts, the elderly, the incarcerated, the abandoned, the beaten down, and the forgotten soldier killed in war. And then there's that particularly powerful line, each week we use a hundred fine young men. For indeed, Vietnam was raging at the time, and Johnny was not exaggerating. U.S. military fatal casualty statistics for the Vietnam War reported 6,173 deaths in 1970, which comes out to be just over 118 deaths per week. This is where Johnny Cash's music and actions separate themselves from other artists during this period. None of Cash's peers in popular music, argues Richard Beck, ever dared to so brazenly wield their music. Not Dylan, not the Beatles, not Country Joe McDonald, not Crosby, Stills, Nash, and or Young, not any big-selling artist who composed and performed so-called protest music in the 1960s. The litany of suffering we hear in Man in Black and the call for solidarity we find in Scripture. When Jesus preaches in his hometown of Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. For indeed, for most people in Jesus' time, it was definitely not the year of the Lord's favor. Hunger was rampant. Oppression was a daily experience. People were held captive by poverty, debt, and violence. And Jesus declared right out of the gate that he saw them and he had compassion for them. Compassion, what Brene Brown defines as the daily practice, the daily practice, the daily practice of recognizing 
and accepting our shared humanity so that we treat ourselves and others with loving kindness and we take action in the face of suffering. A very similar definition can be found in the research literature. Compassion is a virtuous response that seeks to address the suffering and needs of a person through relational understanding and action. What the majority of definitions share, including these, is that compassion includes action. It's not just feeling, it's doing. And that's an important distinguishing feature between compassion and pity. In Bringing Home the Dharma, Jack Kornfield writes, the near enemy of compassion is pity. Instead of feeling the openness of compassion, pity says, oh, that poor person, I feel sorry for people like that. Pity sees them as different from ourselves. It sets up a separation between ourselves and others, a sense of distance and remoteness from the suffering of others that is affirming and gratifying to the self. Compassion, on the other hand, recognizes the suffering of another as a reflection of one's own pain. I understand this. I suffer in the same way. It is empathetic, a mutual connection with the pain and sorrow of life. Compassion is shared suffering. And how did Jesus show compassion, share in suffering? He did not lock himself in an ivory tower. He did not stay on the safe side of the barricade. He did not keep an arm's length distance between himself and the poor, the blind, the captive, the oppressed, and the disfavored. In the Gospels, we hear the stories of Jesus giving sight to the blind, a metaphor frequently used in the New Testament to call into question who can actually perceive what is really going on in contrast to those whose understanding is compromised by their involvement and commitment to empire. So it was that he cleaned up the misunderstanding that it was unlawful to pick grain on the Sabbath to feed the hungry or that healing was forbidden on the Sabbath. For as Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for humankind not humankind for the Sabbath. Jesus released those who were held captive by social expectations, by the love of money, by the idea that only blood makes family, by a scarcity mindset, by hierarchy, by the idea that peace comes through violence instead of justice. Check out those teachings on turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, and giving our coat and our cloak. Jesus proclaimed favor on those who were the last and the least. Lepers, sex workers, women, and the sometimes uncomfortably inclusive phrase, sinners and tax collectors. And he did that by going into their homes and eating with them. Think Zacchaeus and the like. 
He proclaimed favor on those who had been pushed to the margins by calling them into the center of the room and offering a touch of compassion. Think about the lepers, the woman who was bent over for so long. To those who were silenced, he proclaimed favor by seeking out conversation with them. We remember the woman at the well who had the longest theological discussion with Jesus on record. He proclaimed favor on the vulnerable by protecting them from those who would cast the first stone. You all know the story I am talking about. What we see in the Gospels is Jesus putting himself in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess. He went right into the fray. It's fair to ask whether the same could be said of Johnny Cash, whether his solidarity, whether his compassion was lyrical in nature only, or was it accompanied by action? We ourselves are not strangers to performative solidarity, also called performative allyship. Never going beyond a hashtag to a social media post or being keyboard warriors. We buy bumper stickers, t-shirts, and buttons to label ourselves virtuous. But don't give our time, our expertise, and our experience to the work of policy change or to holding those in power accountable. We are happy to cook a meal for our neighbors experiencing homelessness, but we'd rather stay in the serving line rather than go and sit with them at the table while they eat. We might proclaim Black Lives Matter, but We'd have to change our routines in order to invest in and become patrons of black-owned businesses. We decry gender-based violence, but we still ask things like, well, what was she wearing? We do indeed find Johnny Cash acting in solidarity, not just singing about it. He, too, put himself in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess, went right into the fray. As it has been observed, the socially enlightened bards of the 60s loved to wax poetic about love and justice. All you need is love, crooned the Beatles. John Lennon held a sleep-in, considered by many to be a provocative statement for peace. Johnny Cash, by contrast, performed in an unair-conditioned maximum security prison on makeshift stages dozens of times for no money. Cash had started playing prison concerts about 10 years before his recording at Folsom Prison. Cash played more than 30 prison shows, each without compensation, and according to Richard Beck, what Cash observed during those shows pricked his heart and fueled his activism in the 70s when he called for prison reform. 
When pushed about why his attention focused on the men in prison rather than upon the victims, Cash once said, people say, well, what about the victims, the people that suffer? You're always talking about the prisoners. What about the victims? Well, the point I want to make is that's what I've always been concerned about, the victims. If we make better men out of the men in prison, then we've got less crime in the streets and my family and yours are safer when they come out. As Bono, the lead singer of U2, said about Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash doesn't sing to the damned, he sings with the damned. And sometimes you feel like he might prefer their company. While there are plenty of things to critique about Johnny Cash, there's also plenty of clear examples of him practicing what he performed on stage, which is, of course, what Jesus was trying to get us to do. Practice what we preach, practice what we proclaim, actually be anti-racist, actually empower women, actually reform our criminal justice system, bust the myth that things are just are the way they are. In that third verse of Man in Black, Johnny sings, I wear the black for those who've never read or listened to the words that Jesus said. And he follows it with that line that convicts all of us. Why you'd think he was talking straight to you and me. When we have heard the words of Jesus, bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we have also seen the words of Jesus, for he showed us that in the proclaiming is the doing. As theologian Ched Myers puts it, after all the heavy breathing we do about God, it's quite simply about where one places one's body that really counts. It's where one places one's body that really counts. It is time to put ourselves in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the mess, to head straight into the fray. Johnny was right. Jesus was talking straight to you and me. We know our assignment. I'll see you outside. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.